Matthew 26, verses 47 to 56, and that can be found on page 915 of the Church Bibles. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him from the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So he went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Friend, Jesus asked him, Why have you come? Then they came up, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. Then Jesus told him, put your sword back in its place, because all who take up a sword will perish by a sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father, and he will provide me at once with more than twelve legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I used to sit teaching in the temple complex and you didn't arrest me. But all this has happened so that the prophetic scriptures would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks Mark, thanks Steve. Nice to see you. My name is Paul, if I haven't met you, one of the pastors here. Uh, we are starting a new series called One Question for God. We've done this the last couple of years where we have surveyed our local community, asked them if they could ask God one question, what would they ask him? If you want to listen to last year, last couple of years' podcasts, they're all on our website. Uh, things like why suffering in the world, why so much evil, is the Bible reliable, what about other religions, is God anti-gay, all those questions up on the website. Uh, there's a big blackboard, a chalkboard outside church. I wipe that about twice a day. It is covered in questions. Uh, some of them serious, like, why are we here? Uh, where's my dad when he died? Is there an afterlife? Uh, some silly, like, why Donald Trump? Uh, a bit of, bit of flirtation happening within the community, someone who's attracted to somebody else who's sort of trying to attract their attention through the chalkboard. Um, uh, that happened last year as well, and I think they're now dating, so that's good, isn't it? Um, just to, just to, to whet your appetite, uh, next week we're tackling the question, what does God say about climate change? Pray for that one. Uh, the week after, uh, is God anti-women? That's come up a lot in the questions. Uh, tonight's question is this, uh, why does Christianity cause so much violence and anger? Why does Christianity cause so much violence and anger in the world? And I have to say it's a very apt question, a very relevant question. Because I think angry and violent are apt words to describe our world today. They just turn on the news and you've got you know, terrorist attacks in Paris and London and the, the Lint Cafe, all in the name of religion. Uh, you've got uh, young mobs getting angry and you've got violence on the streets in the name of Christ. Uh, you've got domestic 
violence, on the increase. You've got all the raw commission with horrors being done to other people in the name of Christ. It's horrific, isn't it? And, and then you open your Bible on page three of the Bible in Genesis chapter four. You've got the first act of violence where, where Cain is jealous of his brother and the jealousy leads to anger. The anger leads to violence and the violence leads to, to murder. And then you read the rest of Genesis and it's, it's talking about hatred and bloodshed and revenge. And then you get to Exodus and the whole book is about God's people who are enslaved in another country. And if you, if you dare to keep reading, you read the whole of the Old Testament and what you've got is war and bloodshed and fighting and violence. And if you go beyond the Bible, you think, oh, I'll read a bit about church history. If you bother to read about church history, what do you find? You find the Inquisition. You find the Crusades of the 11th, 12th, and 13th century. And, and horrific acts, all done in the name of religion, in the name of Christ. And then you think, oh, I'll, I'll just go on to Mr. Google, and I'll Google Christianity and, and violence. And what do you find? You find awful stories of, of men and women who have committed the most atrocious, heinous acts, all claiming to do that in the name of their God. And so you think, okay, I'll, uh, I'll pick up a, a, a book against Christianity. So I'll, I'll pick up Christopher Hitchens' book, you know, God is not so great. Religion poisons, poisons everything. And as you read his arguments, I have to say, some of it you go... And maybe he's right. Maybe Christianity is the cause of violence and anger in the world. And then you come to church. It's supposed to be a beautiful place, church, isn't it? But then you personally experience the anger of somebody else who calls himself a Christian. And you personally are on the receiving end of gossip or slander or hatred. Or heaven forbid, you might be the, the victim of violence in the church. And it all seems a, a million miles away from that quite cheesy song we used to sing many, many years ago, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. So has Christianity caused violence and anger? That's our question. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do tonight. I'm not going to argue that Christianity is historically less associated with violence than other major religions. I'm not going to do that because I'm not, I'm not sure that's true or not. I'm not going to stand here tonight and, and blame other religions. We we're good at doing that, aren't we? Let, let's bag out all the Muslims. And I'm not going to pretend there's no truth in the statement because there is truth. And because there's truth, I think we need to start by saying sorry. Sorry for all the blood that we have on our hands. Sorry for all the hideous acts of atrocities that Christians have actually done. Now we should be deeply, deeply ashamed. We as a church should be ashamed of the, the Inquisition hundreds of years ago, where, where, where Christians 
or the people who claimed to be Christians, they were, they were torturing and coercing Jews and Muslims to convert to Christianity. We should be ashamed of that. We should be deeply ashamed of, of those crusades. They were, they were awful. And there's no excuse, you know, no excuse of, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters are in danger, so we're just going to defend them. There is no excuse for violence and anger and murder. And we should be deeply ashamed of, of, of Christians who supported slavery and deeply ashamed of, of, of all the hate speech that comes out of the church. Hatred against homosexuality. Hatred against abortion, whatever your position is on that, uh, the way that Christians speak, it does cause violence and anger. We should be deeply ashamed of the way that any reference to that word submission in the Bible has ever been used to justify domestic violence. It's never right, is it? And please don't minimize anger and violence and, and say, well, that all happened many years ago, Paul. It did happen many years ago, but it's still happening today, isn't it? As we sit here in our comforts of Kirribilli, in Central Africa, tens of thousands of Muslims are fleeing for their lives against so-called Christian militants. It's wrong. So we have to say sorry, don't we? We're sorry for the times that so-called Christianity has been used to justify any kind of violence, any kind of anger, any kind of hatred that is inconsistent with the teaching of Jesus Christ. But then I want to say seriously, question mark. Please don't mishear me here. I'm not taking back the apology. <laughs> I'm not making excuses. It's never right. Uh, but some of the, the so-called facts that are banded around are not actually facts. If you read Christopher Hitchens' book, some of what he said is absolute nonsense. Let me quote him. He says this. So many wars have been caused by religion. If you leave behind your conviction about God, the world will be a much better place and a more peaceful place to live. Is that right? If we leave behind all our convictions about God, this world will be a much more peaceful place to live. Is, is that a correct statement? I don't think so. There's only been three formerly atheistic regimes in history. Let's take a couple of them. Joseph Stalin in the Soviet Union. He killed more people every week than were killed in the whole of the Inquisition over 300 years, whatever, however long it was. Chairman Mao in China and, and Pol Pot in, in Cambodia, almost 100 million people were murdered under their regime. And the 20th century saw the rise of Nazi ideologies and atheistic communism, and the reality was there was more killings in that 20th century alone than the other 19 put together. So I don't think that Christopher Hitchens is right. If you leave God behind, you will reduce, reduce violence and anger. It just doesn't add up. Or well, a whole lot of people said to me, oh, Paul, you know, every 
every war in history has been started by religion. Is that, is that a correct statement? No, every war, most wars in history have been started by, by people who are power crazy, fighting for, for land or fighting for territory. And occasionally they, they slap the name God or religion on, onto it. And some of the facts of the bandit land, the figures are just grossly exaggerated. You know, millions of people were murdered in, in, the, in the Crusades. Is that right? No. Between three and 6,000 people were killed over a 350-year period. That's a maximum of 18 people per year. Now, it's still terrible, still awful, still wrong. One person is one too many. But the reality is different to perception. So I want to say that it's not faith that causes violence and anger, but it's often fanatical faith, fanaticism that, that just labels God or labels Christianity or labels religion. It's almost like you can just blame Christianity for anything. I read an article this week by the ABC called Religion Causes Violence and Why Any Argument to the Contrary Fails. And it was so simplistic and so full of errors. I've got to say seriously. Yes, Christianity has done a lot of harm. Yes, Christianity has caused some violence and some anger. But a lot of it is done by men and women who are not walking in the way of Christ. They're not living the Christian life. They're just slapping the label Christian onto it. I mean, historically, just so you know this, that in the first three centuries of the early church, historically, the early Christians were all pacifists. What, what I mean by that is no fighting at any time, any place, or any cause. That's what the early church fathers taught. People like Tertullian uh, took uh, Jesus' command to Peter, you know, put away your sword as an, as an absolution saying, you must never fight, ever. And the problem with that is that then they had, had to do sort of theological gymnastics to explain away all the, the fighting and wars in the Bible, or, or allegorize them, or, or spiritualize them. And then you come to the fourth century, and you've got a guy called Augustine of Hippo, who introduces concept of what we call just war, which is basically saying that, that whilst individual Christians should not resort immediately to violence, God puts governments in place, Romans 13, Romans 13 verse 4, God puts governments in place and gives them the sword to protect peace, to protect the innocent, and to punish wickedness. That's historically how we've come to this position. But what does the Bible say? Let's look at the scriptures. The first act of violence comes in Genesis chapter 4. It's on your screen. The Lord says to Cain, why are you angry or why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? Now, if you do what is right, that is curb your anger, curb your violence, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you and you must rule over it. I think that's a very important verse. It's saying that 
violence or anger is the outward expression of something deep within you called jealousy, called envy, called resentment, whatever it is. And if you feed your jealousy, if you feed your envy, if you feed your resentment, if you let it master you, then that will produce anger and that will produce violence. So don't give in to that. So it says the cause of Cain's violence was not his faith. It was his jealous heart. And the warning comes early on in Genesis chapter 9. It says, whoever sheds man's blood, his blood will be shed by man. For God made man in his image. It's saying there's something precious about humanity. We are men and women made in the image of God. We have worth, we have value, we have dignity. So, so violence towards a fellow man is always wrong. What did Jesus say? If we're Christians, we claim to follow Christ. What was his attitude? Three things. Jesus models the power of nonviolence. Jesus models peace, not retaliation. Remember the night of his arrest? And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this, this mob come with their swords and with their clubs. And one of the disciples, Peter, is ready to fight and he grabs his sword and he, he cuts off the ear of the high priest's slave. What did Jesus say? Verse 52. Put back your sword. Put your sword back in its place because all who take up a sword will perish by a sword. He's saying violence, fighting, does not belong to my followers. And then he says, do you think I can't call on my father? Do you think I need you to fight for me? You've got to remember this. Do you think Jesus needs us to get violent on his behalf? He could just snap his fingers. He could solve it all in a, in a flash. I remember Jesus before Pontius Pilate on trial. John 18 says this. Important words. My kingdom is not of this world, says Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. So that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. Saying the way of the world is to fight and the way of the world is to retaliate. But my servants, they don't belong to this world, so we don't fight, we don't retaliate. Remember on the cross, he was reviled, but he did not retaliate. He was rejected, he was suffering. But 1 Peter tells us he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, Jesus was not violent. Oh, you say, but Jesus got angry. Yeah, Jesus did get angry. The Bible doesn't say that anger is a sin. It says righteous anger is not sinful, but unrighteous flying of the handle anger, that is sinful. So, so when Jesus saw the hypocrit hypocritical Pharisees or the hypocritical priests, and when Jesus saw the temple being turned into this, this place of money, he was rightly angry. But you wouldn't see Jesus flying off the handle because of jealousy or bitterness or resentment. What did Jesus say? If somebody wrongs you, you fight back. No, he says, turn the other cheek. 
And then what Jesus does very cleverly, he identifies the source of anger and violence. Because Christianity is not the cause of violence and anger, the human heart is. Christianity is not the cause of violence and anger, but the human heart is. Because the violence and anger really begin in a much deeper place. Matthew 5 says, you've heard it says, do not murder. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. What he's saying there is that what starts off as anger will quickly lead to murder, and both are wrong. Or, or Matthew 15 talks of the Pharisees who thought they could get rid of their anger and violence by all these external good works. He says, don't you realize, Matthew 15, what comes out of your mouth comes from the heart, and that defiles a man, for from the heart comes evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and sexual immoralities and thefts and false testimonies and blasphemies. They come from the heart and defile the person. I think that's so important for us to realize. See, every single one of us here tonight have the capacity to be angry and to commit violence and even to commit murder because we've all got sinful hearts. Behind every act, there's a, a, an emotion or a motive that starts here. And that's why Christianity says that you need a clean heart. Now, Christian, Christianity doesn't give you the, the, the top ten things to stop you getting angry. Or the top ten ways to, to curb your violence. It says you need a clean heart, a heart that you can't actually achieve yourself. But when God, by his spirit, replaces your heart of anger with one of compassion or your heart of violence with one of forgiveness, that's the work of God. So Jesus identifies your true source is actually within each one of us. So please don't point the finger at other people because you have the capacity and so do I. And then thirdly, Jesus commands peace, not violence. If you read the words of Christ, he wants his followers to pursue peace, not violence. Blessed are the pe peacemakers, he says. Blessed are the men and women who pursue peace, who work hard at reconciliation and not retaliation. Blessed are the men and women who work hard at forgiving and being kind and not revoking violence with violence. For they'll be called the, the sons and daughters of God. If we claim to be Christians and followers of Christ, it's not just that we have peace with God, but we're called to have peace with each other. And peace with each other does not come through anger and violence. And what Jesus said is that uh, his world, his kingdom is so countercultural. So when someone wrongs you, you, everything within you goes, I need retaliation. I need to be proved right. And Jesus, no, you don't. You need to learn to forgive. How many times you say, well, 70 times, seven times, and keep on forgiving. Oh, but I've got that enemy at work, and I really hate them. And every time I see them, something goes inside me, and I'm starting this rage inside of me. And Jesus says, well, get rid of that. Get rid of your bitterness, get rid of your envy, get rid of your rage. Love your enemies. 
Love them not just in word, but in action, and pray for your enemies. That is the way of Christ. That's the Christian way. Romans 12, verse 18. If possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, don't avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Let God judge, not you. For it's written, vengeance belongs to me, says God, and I will repay. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Don't let your jealousy, your envy, your bitterness, your rage, all the evil inside of us, don't let that conquer you, but conquer that with good. Love them, feed them, forgive them, pray for them. That is the way of Christ. In his book, The, uh, the Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was the victim of violence, says this. The followers of Jesus Christ have been called to peace. When he called them, they found their peace, for he is their peace. But then they're told that they must not only have peace, but to make peace. And to that end, they renounce all violence and all anger. That's the way of Christ, isn't it? The Yale theologian, Miroslav Volk, says this. As far as Christianity goes, it will only be violent if it's stripped of its content. If it's thinned out and infused with a different set of values. The story of Jesus gives absolutely no warrant for violence whatsoever. And any believer behaving that way is disobeying the one they claim to be following. A thin but zealous practice of the Christian faith is likely to foster violence. But a thick and committed practice will help generate and sustain a culture of peace. What, it's saying there, what he's saying is that if you want a surface level Christianity, you know, it gives you nods to Christ. But you don't actually dig deep into Christ and live this true, authentic, uh, Christ-like way of forgiveness and kindness and generosity and no retaliation. If you just want a surface level thing, then sure, you'll, you'll give way to your anger, you'll give way to your violence. But the way to get rid of it is to dig deeper into Christ, a more pure faith. Oh, that's so simple, you say. Yeah, it is simple. But what about when Christ is preached? Doesn't, don't you just see people reacting with rage? Yes, you do, you know. Let's think about that, because when the gospel is preached, there are some people who rage against it. Read the book of Acts. When the gospel was first preached in the early church, People did not like it, and they got angry because Jesus was claimed to be king. And that's still true today, isn't it? I think what's quite ironic, that the people who claim that Christianity has caused the most anger and violence, people like Christopher Hitchens and people like Richard Dawkins, just go onto YouTube and watch them debating. And they are full of anger ever seen them debating against a, a man called John Lennox? John Lennox is the most placid, calm, gentle man. And he infuriates them. 
because he will not get angry as they are raging against Christians. And here's a good model, you know. If we as Christians were gentle and were kind and were not angry, then just perhaps people would sit up and take notice. Let me talk about two people. Martin Luther King Jr. Here he is on the screen. He confronted racism in the white church, but he did not do that with violence. He called on the churches to become more Christ-like and more Christian. Listen to this quote. King knew the answer to racism and violence was not less Christianity, but a deeper and a truer Christianity. And King gained his inspiration from the one who said to those who follow him that they must turn the other cheek, love their enemies, and pray for those who persecuted them. And his leadership of the civil rights struggle remains a fine example of love triumphing over hate, of costly and courageous resistance of evil, and of religiously inspired social action that made the kind of difference that everyone can appreciate today. He didn't get angry. He got heated, standing up for truth. But no rage and no violence. And he made a difference in the world. Francis of Assisi. He's the guy who was supposedly wrote, make me a channel of your peace. But you might not know, he actually joined the Crusades. He joined the Crusades to fight, to kill. But God had other plans because God made him sick. And God caused him to come home. And on his sickbed, he read the scriptures. He read the way of Christ. He was converted. And he was convinced and convicted that Jesus' way was a way of peace. Not violence. And he wrote, get rid of your violence and replace it with non-violence. Get rid of your selfishness and replace it with selflessness. Get rid of your pride, replace it with humility. Get rid of revenge, replace it with reconciliation. Get rid of cruelty, replace it with compassion. Get rid of, of vengeance, replace it with forgiveness. Get rid of war, replace it with peace. And get rid of killing your enemies, and instead love them and pray for them. So my question for you is this. Yes, Christianity has caused massive violence and anger in the world, and that is wrong. I should say Christians have caused that. I need to say sorry. But my question is this, to you here tonight. Are you claiming to follow Christ, and yet you're contributing to some way the angry, violent world that we live in. Maybe you're here tonight and you're harboring bitterness and you're harboring resentment and that's boiling up inside of you and you just want to rage. Can I gently say tonight, get rid of it and allow God's spirit to transform your heart and to replace it with one of peace. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been the victim You've been the victim of violence and the victim of rage. And that is always wrong. And I know that is hard. Trust me, I know that is hard. Please replace that 
not with retaliation, not with revenge, but with a willingness, a willingness somehow, in some way, to forgive them and to love them. Because trust me, that way is a far better way, because that is the way of Christ. Father, we are so sorry for the way that your church and your people in the present and the past have done or said things which have caused anger and violence and hatred in this world. We're so sorry for the way that we have used the name of Christ to, to justify that in any way. And we're so sorry for the way that in our own hearts, in our own homes, we have said or done things in violence or rage. Father, forgive us. Father, help us to be a people who do walk in your ways. Father, give us the courage to pursue the way of peace. Give us the courage to love those who have hurt us. Give us the courage to forgive those who have caused us harm. Help us to be so different because we love you. I ask that for Jesus' sake.